I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Nancy Klepsch from Troy, New York. She's an activist poet who gets involved in projects for social justice with her poetry. We're going to be talking to her about some of her interesting projects, and of course, she will share her poems and her thoughts about poetry. Then, as we're near the solstice, we will take a look at a poem written in the late 19th century by Christina Rossetti. It opens with a very secular stanza, but interestingly, that stanza and the whole poem have become one of the best-loved English-language Christmas carols in the entire world. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Nancy Klepsch from Troy, New York. She's interesting in that she not only writes her poetry and gets it published as any poet might, but she also makes things happen with poetry and for poetry. She hosts an open mic series, and she also has recently been a part of a grant-funded project called Breathing These Words. She's a longtime activist. Many, many years ago, she uh, was a regular participant in Poets Action Against AIDS. Things were really dark in those days. So, Nancy, I'm really glad you're here to read some poems and talk about your activities. Thank you. It's a real honor, Charlie, to, to be here. And it's actually, it's great to see you, too. Yeah, it's nice to be back in the East. Tell us about this project. It's, it's uh, I didn't try to describe it because I don't think I can, but the Breathing Words Project, what it's about and what you did. Breathing These Words uh, was a pop-up poetry reading and youth and senior workshop series. Um, we were lucky enough to be one of the ten local projects that were funded through the Breathing Lights program, which actually came through, of all places, the Bloomberg uh, Philanthropies. They made a decision to put, of all things, a million dollars into the Troy and Albany and Schenectady area in order to give, well, to shed light on the blight. Um, the goal was to create an art installation in which um, a really fantastic architect Barb Nelson and a Albany artist Adam Freeland um, created this unique process that they made the buildings look like they were breathing. They put out a call for entries and I was lucky enough, actually along with a colleague, Dee Collin, and I, and uh, we got our project funded. So we did a series of workshops for youth and seniors throughout the community. We also did something really unique, like, for example, with a local neighbor named Peggy Konak, um, we put together a poetry walk where Peggy put together a um, series of stories that were personal about her life, but also uh, connected to the city of Troy. And then we read poems um, that we had written specifically for some of those buildings. Um, it resonated for me because, as you may recall, once upon a time I lived in that neighborhood. And we wanted to use poetry to make sense of our world, um, to show what would it be like if these buildings could talk. That's a great concept. And the thing about the breathing out, is there any video of that? You said there's some kind of, they arrange the lights and the lights, I don't know, not pulsed, but they dimmed and brightened and it gave a 
that breathing effect. Is, is there a video of that on YouTube, by the way? Absolutely. Actually, oh. if, of all things, if you go to www.breathinglights.com, you will find oh. uh, examples of our project and others, oh, cool. um, and also examples of what the buildings looked like. It was incredibly poetic to see these buildings, and, and I know I was as well as uh, a group of local poets in Troy and Schenectady and Albany um, that we gathered through a call through submissions, and they too wrote poems about the different vacant buildings that were in their respective uh, communities. So we did a, a reading in the city of Troy, um, in the city of Albany, as well as Schenectady. Wow. Great project. Yeah, it was really, really, it touched me because one of the things that I think, um, and, I, and I'd like to give a, a short plug just to Branda Miller um, in the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy. One of the cool things about it is Branda really got it because, as I said, a lot of times us poets are just talking to each other, but Branda made a decision consciously to give us a voice and say that poetry matters and that the way we made sense of our world was really important to this grant. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, now let's, let's hear some of your poetry. Um, okay. I'd love to read this recent piece um, that was selected um, for publication. And it's actually called Untitled. I am shaped by dreams, graphs of swollen seas, I am breathless and death is laughing. Desires devour desire. You're laughing. There, there, eat. More lost women. Medusa's frightened wings. Combat blood. My lost soul. Soft now. The worst in truth is what is miraculous and terrifying about birds. Writing for men is silly. We shape shift, make shift, serve each other plates of make do. Tell me a story, talk forever. Oh, how, where did that poem come from? What was happening? This so poem actually that. came from a workshop um, that I take with Bernadette Mayer. Um, I've been studying with her along with a, a lot of local poets in particular for the last three years. And um, what I was trying to do actually was to write about death, but make it in a place where a listener could overlay their experience, where it wasn't so, oh, I'm going to use a, an, a Laurie Anderson um, Mosman quote. It wasn't a Garrison Keeler poem, but it was something that was more experimental and language-based, but more modern but could express those thoughts. Not like Garrison might. <laughs> no, not like... Not, so, so, and, and, and Bernadette has this feeling about we make too much sense and meaning in our poems. She wants Ooh. us to write poems that have no meaning. Whoa. Which is a little bit... I'm not sure I go for that myself. And, 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 it can be a challenge, but yeah. on another <clears throat> level, I understand because those... The poems, interestingly, that I've written in her workshops are the poems of mine that are getting published. So I'm not sure I understand what the quote-unquote market wants, yeah. um, but for me, it, it's still giving voice to things that are important yeah. to, to me. Um, well, well, the minimal meaning or altered meaning 
you know, that has great potential to make the poem more interesting rather mm-hmm. than a flat out statement, which starts to get really pretty close to prose. I find the, the rigor so. of the workshop and you and I have been in workshops, like the yeah. rigor of a workshop really inspires me. Um, having some writing prompts are, are really yeah. have been helpful um, in terms of trying to get to a new place in my work. Um, I wanted to get to a new place in my work yeah. and see if I could build it a little bit more and make it more substantive. I, I would imagine it's something all poets deal with. I mean, I'm constantly, I want to write better poems. Yep. And then you ask yourself, well, what do I do to write better poems? And just experimenting around, I think, is an important way to increase the chances yep. that you might write better poems. Yeah. We'll leave better undefined. Well, I think I, I think that too, and, and better doesn't mean that it's published. And I think that's no. a really important thing too, that we're all still doing our work. I mean, if you're over the age of 50, and I am, and you're still writing poems, I think it's okay to call yourself a poet. I really do. Yeah. Um, Agreed. <laughs> Most definitely. Another one? Sure. Um, this actually... Oops, sorry about that. Um, this is called Non-Repro Blues. This place rests between two lines and two basic spaces. Here you have taken away your bed. This is where you uncoupled. You no longer pick her up from the train. Sex won't release you. No one knows you are party to these clefts. Each fissure the result of a late day collision. I am uninsured against all of this. I know, no, 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 no codes or drawings that can make up all of the negative space, high, low, or sunken relief. You sculpted a home and she took an excavator to the site, the convex shape of her discourse, the angle of her speech, the blue line of your forgotten rules. Each mark takes away what you must have known. Blueprints don't reproduce, don't reproduce like cancerous cells. You have been put to sleep or out to dream, single-sided. That's another one. This is another one where it's a little bit of a decoy poem. Where um, Actually, it, it, this came from um, loss. Lauren and I had uh, lost some dear, uh, actually uh, dear friends of ours, broke up and then what was more challenging is that one of the partners died very quickly um in front of our eyes literally of bone cancer and um i was trying to create that sense of not only their fissure and broke up break up rather but how it affects other people how when when other relationships change, mm-hmm. how that grief affects your life. So yeah. that's a little bit where that comes I guess because I wrote a poem on the same kind of idea behind it uh, when oh. some friends broke up. Oh wow! <laughs> about about and the idea about how I lost them as a as a couple in my life. Yeah, because it becomes yeah. that thing. They're that thing. You know, they yeah. become that third, literally that yeah. third entity, and it it affects you. And then of course. When one of the partners leaves, 
Yeah. I mean, that particular fissure, that loss, that, that the permanency of that, I mean, obviously it, it helps to be a, a bit of a Buddhist at that point, um, as we all choose to be <laughs> these days and, and see some kind of continuity there. But, um, I, I think as, well, I, I think these are deeper, the deeper things that poets take a look at in terms of life and death, those themes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that sometimes as I've gotten older, my earlier work was more identity poems because that's how I was asserting myself. Yeah, yeah. But now I think I'm spending much more time looking at the world and seeing different yeah. things and making sense of that. Now, another thing that was interesting as you read the poem, you kept rhythm with your hand. And I thought that was very interesting and made me tune into the rhythm of the poem. Would you read just like the first, I don't know, six or eight lines? Again? Yeah. Sure. I just found that interesting, that's all. Um, it's interesting too, because you know, you know, I think it's important that we say we're in my music room now, so That's right. We're surrounded by guitars. We're surrounded by guitars. Um, non repro blues. This place rests between two lines and two basic spaces. Here you have taken away your bed. This is where you uncoupled. You no longer pick her up from the train. Sex won't release you. You can do a nice percussion thing behind that. I try to, I guess because I play music and I've played music all my life, that uh, I hear the rhythm in in my free verse i think that sometimes i am creating my own patterns or songs internally with that um and i find that if i don't that because i've created the poem with a rhythm in time yeah that in order for me to get into that mode and and uh, for lack of a better word, read it as I had intended it to be read or yeah. for me to read, that I have to keep time just the way, like I tap my foot oh, when right. I play play the guitar. So, yeah, there's a, a tapping yeah. of that um, very much. So that, that rhythm yeah. is a part of my work. Um, so I, I want to read one that you really like. It's a little bit longer. Yeah. This actually came from from a, a lot of my poems recently are coming from Bernadette writing prompts. So so That's, this is kind of part of the mushroom series. It's a good endorsement. That that you know? yeah that she's had us writing. Yeah, I don't mean to make it an endorsement, but I but I, I should say thank you Bernadette Mayer for helping me to write yeah. some some mushroom poems. Um, and this is a, a funny one. Talk about making sense of our world. But since I read some serious poems. Maybe it's good to read something silly and funny. So this is called Fibetch. I saw the best shiitakes in the farmer's market destroyed by suburbanites, greedy, hysterical with baby strollers, schlepping themselves through my city streets, shopping for overpriced coffee and organic cotton diapers, big-headed cremides with manicured beards looking for small angry batches of blackberry bubblegum craft beer whose downwardly mobile parents dragged them through the naked streets of Big Sur and Monterey making selfies whose black and white photos of bikini-clad kids are plastered on posters in poverty-stricken South Troy. 
Enokis and Chanterelles who eat their words, blog about their children who might be poisonous, who blow job after job, who run away from Schenectady to live in the peed-on parts of Brooklyn, who blog about Brooklyn, who buy and sell Brooklyn, who don't know beauty from shit. Fat portabellas who sit on couches in psychiatric wards who scream in unison about Escoffier and pan-fried noodles from name-brand restaurants. White buttons whose bits are chopped and fried who go best with butter and lemon, but you may prefer something else, and you should. Kvetch. Peyote summers, backyards drunk with Republicans on Flag Day, who break the law like rock candy, who listen to the concrete boom, boom, boom of madmen chasing China, Africa, and the next it place in downtown, fungi who light cigarettes in backyards on decks on rooftops, on rooftops, who hallucinate manure dreams, who grow away from the city, who eat fly amanita and study mycology. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That is, I'm just sitting here smiling the whole damn time because every new line comes up with something amusing. I thought you would oh, like the part about Brooklyn because I know. you know it, it. It troubles me because I was born in Brooklyn, and and so many people want to make Brooklyn into a brand and 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 I don't I don't always understand it because one of the things about Brooklyn is that if you're from there it means that you have a heart of gold so I think that everybody really can be from Brooklyn if they want to be you know for a day for a week for a moment but I think that when when I think about that what I'm thinking about too is how important it is that when we poets write that we write about setting, whether it's that breathing these lights piece that I did yeah. um, where or some of the war poems that I've been listening to online of yours where it references Chicago and other places. Um, heck, um, I was actually thinking a lot today even – like digging really deep into the canon and thinking about three guys Ooh. poems and, and all the Albanies that you've went to and, yeah. and the importance of place to us yeah. as writers and how that too enables us to make sense of our world, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to imagine that that's part of your motivation for uh, running this series that you run this reading series oh the second sunday at two yeah, yeah. And, and and you know i was really blessed in that the art center reached out to dan and me and they had said we really want to support poets and we would like to provide you with a space so the art center in troy new york reached out to dan and i and we are in our seventh year um we for a while we were the only uh, open mic in the capital district that um allowed writers to um, read not only poems but prose. Uh, oh. All of a sudden, this that was a very radical wow. thing seven <laughs> years ago to have either five minutes of prose or two poems. Um, but what we wanted to do was create a community where you could have a safe space to experiment and try your work. Um, 
again, it seems like there are an enormous amount of poets these days, and bless their souls, but they all seem to want to be famous. And I don't kind of get that because, wow, sometimes I feel like poetry is like the ballet of the arts. Again, a lot of people don't always pay attention to us. We quietly do our work, and sometimes someone says, hey, I think that story resonates with me. And what I think Second Sunday allows us to do is make that choice if we want to take ourselves into that public realm. But it gives us a chance to practice with not only emerging uh, poets, mm. but also really tried and true established poets um, or writers. A writer like Kate Laity, who is a local person here, mm. but probably has more publications than I could ever you know, shake a stick yeah. out. Um, but we also have been a place where I was really, well, I'm really touched that one of our writers is a transgender writer and found a space where she could belong yeah. and, and make sense of her world there. So it's a real open space. And uh, if you come down to the river, um, you'll certainly find people who pay attention to you. <laughs> That's if you're ever in Troy, New York on the second Sunday of the month, Two o'clock at the art center. Come down to the river. Down, well, that's how you say it. Yeah, yep, come on down to the river. We're at the art center, which is on River Street. So come on down. We also have a Facebook page too okay. for Second Sunday. So if you want to be a part of that, we'd love yeah. to see you. That's great. Um, and we also have just to, just to give another plug. Um, one of the things that we decided to do is recognize our writers. So we put together a historical anthology called Two. Um, we actually sold out of it. And wow. I think that was a real, we only published a small amount of them, um, but we established a press. I'd be remiss if I didn't thank my um, spouse and partner in crime, Lauren Pinsley, for doing all the hard stuff and getting yeah. all the ISBN numbers right. and all sorts of librarian, you know, stuff yeah. that I'm not familiar with. Um, but we created a press called Riverside Community Press and we intend to be publishers in the future of local and poets of all shapes and sizes. Great. Yeah. Yay. Let's do one more poem before we, before we wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to read a new poem Great. for you. All right. Um, I hope you like it. It's another mushroom poem. It's called Shroom. We are popped and shroomed between the earth and the sky. All that matters is my hymenium, rooted spore driving me to places I'd never go to alone. The dank basement where tree-stuck fruit pops up ubiquitously like local fresh eggs. Blue gills emerge from their white Wedding veils and overnight mushroom marriages arise, causing commotion about Christ and symbols. Overweight confederates wave flags, spit, and talk more about their white baby Jesus. The whole world gets inverted. The fruity parts of mushrooms are poisonous. Atticus is racist, and we turn into short-lived dancing mushrooms. We won't live forever, even pickled, however much. We proliferate umbrella and shape. Hey, hey, I'll write another mushroom. Well, this is Poetry Spoken here, and listen to our featured poet, Nancy Clay from Troy, New York. Thanks for being here, Nancy. Thank you so much. It was a real honor to be asked to join you.
listening to Nancy Klepsch from Troy, New York, on Poetry Spoken Here. It seemed appropriate to find something that goes with the solstice. As I googled around in search, I found a piece by Christina Rossetti. It's called A Christmas Carol. She wrote the poem sometime before 1872 in response to a call from Scribner's Monthly Magazine for a Christmas poem. Rossetti's dates are 1830 to 1894. I looked for more information about this little piece and found it has quite a history. Here is that first stanza, which makes for an excellent reflection on the solstice. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long ago. The following four stanzas make it obvious why Rossetti called the poem A Christmas Carol. After the opening secular stanza, she goes on to tell the Christmas story, complete with mangers, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, shepherds, wise men, and all the rest. It turns out the poem wasn't published until 1904, ten years after her death, and subsequently the title was changed to in the bleak midwinter. And it's been put to music numerous times. Today, it is an enormously popular Christmas carol under the title of In the Bleak Midwinter. The most well-known arrangement of it, the one most popular today, was created over a century ago by Harold Dark in 1911. In fact, that musical version was voted the best Christmas carol ever by a survey of leading choir masters and other experts in choral music. Among the many recordings of it are those by the Gloucester Cathedral Choir, Susan Boyle, and the incredible Norwegian soprano Sissel Kirkjebo with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I feel like there's definitely a yin and yang to this story. On the one hand, it's truly wonderful that a major Christmas carol began as a poem. It's also a little sad to think that Christina Rossetti went to her grave before the world fully came to appreciate what she had written. Over the years, Rossetti's reputation has waxed and waned, as happens with poets, but even today she remains a major figure in the history of poetry. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. We will close by reflecting on the solstice as we listen to a bit of Christina Rossetti's poem as sung by the incomparable, incredible Cecil Kirkjabo.
You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.